one of the things I endeavor to do is to help equip and train you as, you know, as to how to become a disciple maker. That That's really where I'm at. I, I want people to be empowered um, to see that, that, that the church flows through them, to see that they're a critical part of the story of, of what God is doing in our nation, in our world. And if I can empower you to see that you have been filled with the spirit of God, that you carry the power and the presence of God, if I can just empower you to go and, and if I could just empower you to see that God has more in store for you than just for you to come to service and read a couple verses, but that God has actually called you in your mission field, wherever that is. It may be just your sphere of influence. It may not be another country. It may just be your neighborhood. It may not be, you know, in another state or it may not be feeding the homeless, which some are called to do that, but it may be you entering into your sphere you know, as a teacher or as a, you know, businessman or as a, an educator or whatever, you know, whatever God is calling you to, I want to empower you to use those unique gifts that God has called you to be sent to bring the kingdom of God where you are. And so anyway, that's, that's, that's really at the core, my desire. Um, and it's why I do this. I, I do this so that you guys can, can learn and do what I do. <laughs> at the end of the day is do what I do. I believe everyone's an influencer. I believe every believer is an influencer. You're called to be an influencer in your sphere of influence. Everyone has a sphere of influence. Everyone has a space of influence. And so if I can empower you to do that, that's good enough for me. Hey, Amy, good to see you. I see some of my subscribers on TikTok. Good to see you all. So guys, I'm getting my car serviced uh, right after this. So we don't have a lot of time. Uh, I want to get right into it. And if you're looking to subscribe again, just click that star or that little symbol next to my name uh, right up there on the live screen. And the the Bible studies will be recorded. The Q&A is recorded, but it's uploaded on it will be uploaded on Patreon. So if you're a patron, don't worry about it. If you miss it, you can catch up with it. And if you are a subscriber, you'll be able to comment during the Q&A that we're doing today. So I'm taking all the Q&As today from my patrons and then from my subscribers as well. With that being said, um, I got enough charge now. We're going to be in Jeremiah chapter 19. So I want to invite you to spend some time with me to read the scripture. We are endeavoring to read through the entire Bible from Genesis all the way to Revelation. We've actually read from Matthew to Revelation. Now we're reading from Genesis to Malachi, and then we'll go from Matthew to Revelation again. So we're going to continue to journey through the scriptures. This is the Read and Rant podcast. I mean, we, we're we doing this live right now, but this is also provided on the podcast. Now, of course, the podcast episodes may come a little bit later on down the line, given our scheduling, but this episode will be available right away for my patrons who um, faithfully support. And I really thank God for them. And you guys can thank our patrons as well for their support because it is their support that makes all this possible. I wouldn't be able to do this every day if it wasn't for the support of our patrons. And so give God praise and thanks for them um, for helping make this possible and making this all a reality. Let's go ahead and let's get to Jeremiah chapter 19. As you know, this isn't a Bible study, but more uh, specifically, this is a Bible reading. We are reading through scripture and we're reading from a reflective meditational posture. And so I asked three questions of reflection. And I implore you to ask also 
three questions of reflection as he spent time reading along with me. It's to ask God specifically concerning you. What is God revealing concerning himself? What is God revealing concerning himself? The same question you should ask is, God, what are you revealing concerning people? That's the second question that you ought to ask. And then the third question that I want to invite you to ask today is, God, what are you revealing concerning me? What are you revealing concerning me? That's our journey today. That's what we endeavor to do today. So I want to encourage you as as we read through Jeremiah chapter 19, as far as we go today, spend your time reflecting on those questions. Let's pray. Father, I thank you. Lord, that you've given us the privilege once more to come together to read your word. Father, I thank you for each and every person who's here. Lord, those who may not even believe what's in this book, for those who are curious, for those who are inquiring, for those who are simply trying to gain better understanding and deeper insight, and for those who are just trying to get to know you more. Lord, I just pray that you would bless us today, Lord. Provide to us what we need today. Give us this day our daily bread. And we ask that in Jesus' name. Amen. Jeremiah 19. And it says this. Thus says the Lord, go and get a potter's earthen flask and take some of the elders of the people and some of the elders of the priests and go out to the valley of the son of Hinnom, which is by the entry of the potsherd gate and proclaim there the words that I will tell you and say, hear the word of the Lord, O kings of Judah and inhabitants of Jerusalem. Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel. Behold, I will bring such catastrophe on this place that whoever hears it, his ears will tingle. Because they have forsaken me and have made this an alien place. Because they have burned incense into it to other gods, whom neither they, their fathers, nor the kings of Judah have known. And have filled this place with the blood of innocence. Hmm. They have also built the high places of Baal to burn their sons with fire for burnt offerings to Baal, which I did not command or speak, nor did it come into my mind. Therefore, behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, that this place shall no more be called Tophet, or the valley of the son of Hinnom, but the valley of slaughter. And I will make void the council of Judah and Jerusalem in this place. And I will cause them to fall by the sword before their enemies and by the hands of those who seek their lives. Their corpses I will give as meat for the birds of the heaven and the beasts of the earth. I will make this city desolate and a hissing. Everyone who passes by will be astonished and hiss because of all its plagues. And I'll cause them to eat the flesh of their sons and the flesh of their daughters. And everyone shall eat the flesh of his friend in the siege and in the destruction with which their enemies and those who seek their lives shall drive them to despair. Then you shall break the flask in the sight of the men who go with you and say to them, thus says the Lord of hosts, even so I will break this people and this city as one breaks the potter's vessel, which cannot be made whole again. And they shall bury them in Tophet till there is no place to bury. Thus I will do to this place, says the Lord, and its and to its inhabitants, and make this city like Tophet, and the houses of Jerusalem and the houses of the king of Judah, and be defiled like the place of Tophet, because of all the houses on whose roofs they have burned incense to all the hosts of heaven, 
and poured out drink offerings to the other gods. Then Jeremiah came from Tophet, where the Lord had sent him to prophesy. And he stood in the court of the Lord's house and said to all the people, Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, Behold, I will bring on this city and to all the, her towns all the doom that I have pronounced against it, because they have stiffened their necks, that they might not hear my words. Jeremiah 20. Now Pashur, the son of Immer, the priest, who was also chief governor in the house of the Lord, heard that Jeremiah prophesied these things. Then Pashur struck Jeremiah, the prophet, and put him in the stocks that were in the high gate of Benjamin, which was by the house of the Lord. And it happened the next day that Pashur brought Jeremiah out of the stocks. Then Jeremiah said to him, The Lord has not called your name Pashur, but Magor Masabib. For thus says the Lord, Behold, I will make you a terror to yourself and to all your friends, and they shall fall by the sword of their enemies, and your eyes shall see it. And I'll give all Judah into the hand of the king of Babylon, and he shall carry them captive to Babylon and slay them with the sword. Moreover, I will deliver all the wealth of this city, all its produce and all its precious things, all the treasures of the kings of Judah. I will give into the hands of their enemies who will plunder them, seize them, and carry them to Babylon. And you, Pasher, and all who dwell in your house shall go into captivity. You shall go to Babylon, and there you shall die and be buried there. You and all your friends to whom you have prophesied lies. O Lord, you induced me and I was persuaded. You are stronger than I and I have prevailed. I am in derision daily. Everyone mocks me. For when I spoke, I cried out. I shouted violence and plunder because the word of the Lord was made to me a reproach and a derision daily. Then I said, I will not make mention of him nor speak any more in his name. But his word was in my heart, like a burning fire shut up in my bones. And I was weary of holding it back, and I could not. For I heard many mocking, fear on every side. Report, they say, and we will report. All my acquaintances watched for my stumbling, saying, perhaps he can be induced. Then we will prevail against him, and we will take revenge on him. But the Lord is with me as a mighty, awesome one. Therefore, my persecutors will stumble and I will not prevail. Sorry, and will not prevail. They will be greatly ashamed for they will not prosper. For their everlasting confusion will never be forgotten. But, O Lord of hosts, you who test the righteous and see the mind and heart, let me see your vengeance on them. For I have pleaded my cause before you. Sing to the Lord. Praise the Lord. For he has delivered the life of the poor from the hand of evildoers. Cursed be the day in which I was born. Let the day not be blessed in which my mother bore me. Let the man be cursed who brought news to my father, saying, A male child has been born to you, making him very glad. And let that man be like the cities which the Lord overthrew and did not relent. Let him hear the cry in the morning and the shouting at noon because he did not kill me from the womb, that my mother might have been my grave and her womb always enlarged with me. Why did I come forth from the womb 
to see labor and sorrow, that my days should be consumed with shame. Jeremiah 21, the word of the Lord, which came to Jeremiah from the Lord when King Zedekiah sent him to Pashur, the son of Melchiah, and Zephaniah, the son of Messiah, Masai. The priests say, please inquire of the Lord for us, for Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, makes war against us. Perhaps the Lord will deal with us according to all his wonderful works, that the king may go away from us. Then Jeremiah said to them, Thus you shall say to Zedekiah, Thus says the Lord God of Israel, Behold, I will turn back the weapons of war that are in your hands, with which you fight against the king of Babylon and the Chaldeans, who besiege you outside the walls. And I will assemble them in the midst of the city. I myself will fight against you with an outstretched hand and with a strong arm, even in anger and fury and great wrath, I will strike the inhabitants of this city, both man and beast. They shall die of a great pestilence. And afterward, says the Lord, I will deliver Zedekiah, king of Judah, his servants and the people, and such as are left in the city from the pestilence and the sword and the famine into the hand of Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon into the hand of their enemies, into the hand of those who seek their life. He shall strike them with the edge of the sword. He shall not spare them or have pity or mercy. Now you shall say to this people, thus says the Lord, behold, I set before you the way of life and the way of death. He who remains in this city shall die by the sword, by famine and by pestilence. But he who goes out and defects the Chaldeans who besiege you, he shall live and his life shall be a prize to him. For I have set my face against the city for adversity and not for good, says the Lord. It shall be given into the hand of King Babylon, and he shall burn it with fire. And concerning the house of the king of Judah, say, Hear the word of the Lord, O house of David. Thus says the Lord, Execute judgment in the morning, and deliver him who is plundered. Out of the hand of the oppressor, lest my fury go forth like fire and burn so that no one can quench it because of the evil of your doings. Behold, I am against you, O inhabitant of the valley and rock of the plain, says the Lord, who say, who shall come down against us or who shall enter our dwellings? But I will punish you according to the fruit of your doings, says the Lord. I will kindle a fire in its force and it shall devour all things around it. Jeremiah 22, thus says the Lord, go down to the house of Judah and there speak this word and say, hear the word of the Lord, O king of Judah, who sit on the throne of David, you and your servants and your people who enter these gates. Thus says the Lord, execute judgment and righteousness and deliver the plundered out of the hand of the oppressor. Do no wrong and do no violence to the stranger, the fatherless or the widow nor shed innocent blood in its place. For you indeed do this thing, then shall enter. For if you indeed do this thing, then shall enter the gates of this house, riding on horses and in chariots, accompanied by servants and people, kings who sit on the throne of David. But if you will not hear these words, I swear by myself, says the Lord, that this house will become a desolation. 
For thus says the Lord to the house of the kings of Judah, You are Gilead to me, the head of Lebanon. It surely will make you a wilderness, cities which are not inhabited. I will prepare destroyers against you, everyone with his weapons. They shall cut down your choice cedars and cast them into fire. And many nations will pass by this city. Everyone will say to his neighbor, Why has the Lord done so to this great city? Then they will answer, Because they have forsaken the covenant of the Lord their God and worshiped other gods and served them. Weep not for the dead, nor bemoan him. Weep bitterly for him who goes away, for he shall return no more, nor see his native country. For thus says the Lord according to Shalom, the son of Josiah, the king of Judah, who reigned, again, who reigned instead of Josiah's father, who went from his place. He shall not return here anymore, but he shall die in the place where they have laid him captive and shall see this land no more. Woe to him who builds his house by unrighteousness and his chambers by injustice, who uses his neighbor's service without wages, who gives him nothing for his work, who says, I will build myself a wide house with spacious chambers and cut out windows for it, paneling it with cedar and painting it with vermilion. Shall you reign because you enclose yourself in cedar? Did not your fathers, did not your father eat and drink and do righteousness and justice? Then it was well with him. He judged the cause of the poor and needy. Then it was well. Was not this knowing me, says the Lord? Yet your eyes and your heart are nothing for your covetousness, for shedding innocent blood, for practicing oppression and violence. Hmm. Therefore, says the Lord concerning Joachim, the son of Josiah, king of Judah, they shall, they shall not lament for him, saying, Alas, my brother, or alas, my sister. They shall not lament for him, saying, Alas, master, or alas, his glory. They shall be buried with the burial of a donkey, dragged and cast out beyond the gates of Jerusalem. Go up to Lebanon and cry out, and lift up your voice in Bashan. Cry to Abiram, for all your lovers are destroyed. I spoke to you in your prosperity, but you said, I will not hear. This has been the manner from your youth that you did not obey my voice. The wind shall eat up all your rulers. Your lovers shall go into captivity. Surely then you will be ashamed and humiliated for all your wickedness. O inhabitants of Lebanon, making your nest in the cedars, how gracious will you be when the pangs come upon you, like the pain of a woman in labor? As I live, says the Lord, let Coniah, the son of Joachim, king of Judah, were the signet on my right hand, yet I would pluck you off. And I will give you into the hand of those who seek your life and into the hand of those who face you, face you fear the hand of Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon and the hand of the Chaldeans. So I will cast you out and your mother who bore you into another country where you were born, and there you shall die. But to the land to which they desire to return, there they shall not return. Is this man, Coniah, a despised broken idol, a vessel in which there is no pleasure? Why are they cast out, he and his descendants, and cast into the land which they did not know? O earth, Earth, 
earth. Hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord, write this man down as childless, a man who shall not prosper in his days, for none of his descendants shall prosper, sitting on the throne of David and ruling any more in Judah. I'm going to stop right there. It's a tough read. It's a tough read. But it's good to read it. Um, There is encouragement in all of this. And I am encouraged by what I read, even as tough as the reading is. Um, I will say this. Thank you to all of y'all. Especially all you guys who are subscribers or who are becoming subscribers on TikTok. Thank you so much. I appreciate y'all. You can just click that that star up there. I know a lot of you have asked, so I appreciate y'all for that. Um, and of course, patrons, thank you guys for your support as well. I see all y'all in here. Thank you so much. Um, I want to just say this, and I think it's so important because often we think that to preach the word of God is always one that's going to be popular. We have this presupposition that if we're going to preach the gospel, that it's going to be popular. We have this idea that because we're expressing love, and I'm talking about, I'm talking about the people who, you know, they're not really preaching the gospel, they're preaching condemnation, or, and I'm not talking about those who, um, who speak really out of hate and just use the Bible to hate. I'm not talking about those either. I'm not talking about those who've been legalistic and who use the scriptures to oppress people and rather than, you know, setting people or guiding people to the freedom of the gospel and to the freedom of a relationship in Christ actually do the opposite. I'm not talking about them. It's easy to have problems with those folks because obviously those folks don't spread the love of Jesus. They spread their legalism. They spread their law. They spread their do what the Bible says. They spread their power, their ego, and they force it on people. I'm not talking about those folks. But even the folk who spread love, you can spread love. You can spread the liberating message of the gospel. The message of the gospel that actually brings life. The one that a lot of church folk don't even know. Let's just be real and honest because you can know the Bible. By the way, I'm ranting. We just read it and I'll rant for a few. But I'll say this, that there are a lot of folk who read the Bible That's right. They read the Bible and they think that the Bible is the gospel. No, the Bible is not the gospel. The Bible is, the gospel is in the Bible, but the Bible is not the gospel. A lot of times people force certain um, rules. They go, that's the gospel. That's gospel. No, it is not gospel. The scriptures give you a full story, a narrative that points you to the gospel. The gospel is the culmination of everything we see in the Bible. The Bible teaches us exactly right. The gospel, but the Bible is not the gospel. Matter of fact, there are two sides to this whole grace thing. There's the grace that saves, but there's the grace that transforms. And often we think, that if we just push and pedal messages of condemnation on people, that's what's going to change them. And it's not. 
But let's be clear, though, and I don't want to fall down that rabbit hole. Is there is the transforming power of the gospel, the freedom that comes from the gospel, the gospel of grace, the grace of Christ, the one in which God has expunged you from all past, present, and future sin. That sin is no longer the issue in your life anymore because Christ came to do away with that by his sacrifice on the cross. To, 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 to preach the transformative gospel, the one that says that it is not by your doing, not by your ability, but by the grace of God that you're now transformed and now you can walk in the light, not because of anything you've done, but because of everything that Christ has done. These are things that are empowering. When you realize that guilt has just been the lie that the enemy has pushed on you, can I say that one more time? Guilt is a reality. Shame is a perception. Can I say that again? Guilt is a reality. Shame is a perception. Shame is how you feel about what you did. Guilt is the consequence of what you actually did. And for a lot of folks, we confuse our shame with our guilt. Just because you feel guilty doesn't mean you are guilty. And if Jesus Christ died on the cross for all your sins, past, present, and future, Jesus paid the price. He paid it all. Therefore, in Christ, you are not guilty. In Christ, you are free from guilt. Now, shame, that's going to require faith because shame requires you to change your perception about what you've done. And that can only happen by the transforming power of the Holy Spirit and the gospel on your life. Too many folk feel shame, not realizing that shame is the enemy's tool to oppress us, the enemy's tool to keep us in this performance treadmill where we're trying to do better, trying to do better, trying to solve our shame problem, trying to deal with our shame problem, trying to make sure we feel less shame, less shame, less shame, less shame. But 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 then you realize the more that I do, the more I realize I fall short. And then you start realizing that as much as I try to do, I still fall profoundly short of the glory of God. Because you can't do it on your own. Shame is what keeps us from the grace of God. But in Christ, there is no shame. And in Christ, there is no guilt. Isn't it funny that the first thing that happened when Adam and Eve sinned was they covered themselves? Can I say that one more time? Isn't it funny that the first thing that Adam and Eve did when they committed their sin is they hid from God and then they found fig leaves to cover themselves up. Shame is the kind of thing that makes us do the same thing. Shame is what sin does to all of us. Shame makes us go and hide from God. And then shame makes us cover up to hide from each other. So even though we're hiding from God, we still have to confront ourselves. And even though we put on the fig leaves to hide from others, we still have to confront the very things that we've done. Not realizing that covering up doesn't take away our guilt. There's only one thing that does, and it's the blood of Jesus.
And with the blood of Jesus, once your guilt has been dealt with, you have no reason to cover up anymore and you have no reason to hide from God. But that's not where I'm at today. I'm, I'm all over the place. I want to take you back here for a second. Because I opened this by saying that when you actually preach the gospel, for many of us, we think that it's all those bad Christians who spread hate. They're the ones who get hate back. That isn't always true. That isn't always true. You can spread the love of God. You can spread and preach the love of Jesus. You can love your neighbor. You can love your city. You can love your people. You can love them deeply. You can spread love. You can speak up against hate. You can do all of that and still be hated for it. Jesus was. I think we forgot that Jesus' primary message was love, but in the end, Jesus ended up on a cross. Love does not keep you from facing the cross. As a matter of fact, because we love, we have to carry the cross every day. Because the reality is, is that there's still hate in this world. And as long as you preach the transforming power of love, haters are going to hate and haters are going to come for you. Do not ever think that as long as I love the world and love everybody and, and, and show the love of Jesus, that the world's going to love you back. Do not ever presume that. Don't ever presume that when you preach the gospel, as many people as we know can come to faith in Jesus Christ, the transforming power of the Holy Spirit, when that gospel hits somebody in deep in their soul, you would say, man, that right there is just going to, it's going to draw so much love and grace. No. The most loving people were the most hated people. The people who loved the most are the ones who were hated. And when Christ, exactly right, Mike, when Christ is preached, all of a sudden people get uncomfortable and they hate. They hate. And here's what we're called to. We're called to love back. Wow, what a crazy idea. It's a crazy notion to think of. You can preach love all day. You can preach love and acceptance all day. Then you preach Christ, who preached love. And all of a sudden, the world wants to crucify you. People want to hate. And then you start thinking, wait a second, but I've been preaching love. And yet even those people that you preach love to, that you can love, they end up hating you. Then how do you respond to that? You love them back. What a novel idea. You love them back. I get it now when Jesus said, love your enemies. Because he knew just loving alone will create enemies. And even if it created enemies, you're still called to love them regardless. Love them, even when they hate you. 
even when they despise you, even when they're against you, you love them. <laughs> Jeremiah loves his people. Jeremiah loves his people. And it's his love that causes him to say what his people need to hear. Jeremiah is saying some stuff that make people profoundly uncomfortable, that make people hate him. And often we sometimes think that because he's a prophet and he's speaking that he ain't got feelings. And sometimes we think that because he's a prophet, he's preaching the message that God has given him to preach to the people which he's preaching, not because he wants to have power. Jeremiah wants nothing. Have you ever thought about it? He wants nothing in return. He's not looking for anything other than to see his nation, his people turn from their sin, turn from the things that they're doing. Jeremiah loves these people, but these people have fallen completely off. We read it. God even, he says, these are the words from God. Verse four in Jeremiah 19, because you have forsaken me and made this an alien place, because you have burned incense in it to other gods whom either, whom neither they, their fathers, nor the kings of Judah have known and have filled this place with the blood of innocence. He's saying, you guys have worshiped other gods. You guys have sacrificed children. You guys have committed every abominable thing. And let's just go across the board here, family, because I don't want to, I, I don't want to turn this into politics or religion or any of that. I don't want to turn this into any of that, y'all. But if you if you look at the things that the people, that the children of Israel were doing today, there would be a cultural consensus that this is wrong. There would be a cultural consensus that these people aren't being treated right. There would be a cultural consensus here, regardless of where you are. I know I got Democrats here and I got Republicans here. I know I've got people all the way on the left who, who would call themselves communists. And I've got people all the way on the right who would be fascists. I've got people who are all across the spectrum with whatever political affiliation you have, whatever predilection you have towards your politics. I've got people from across the board. This is not about politics at all. The kingdom was never about politics. The kingdom stands above all of that. The kingdom is more than any of that. But then when we look at this and we read this, we realize that the stuff that was transpiring, it doesn't matter where you are on whatever side of the political spectrum you are. This stuff is wrong. You would, you would hate the things Israel was doing. You would hate it. No one here would agree to child sacrifice. Not a single person here. No one would agree. I would, I would like to think no one would agree in this group to sexual exploitation. No one would agree to that. No one would agree to any of that. But, but that's the thing. The Mosaic law, because the Mosaic law was centered around the, the image of God that every human being 
is made in the image of God. Every single human being made in the image of God. Standing on that, a law was built, a law was written, a law was constructed and construed around this, this image of God, the Imago Dei, is a substratum for the law. And this law, remember what God says in Hosea 6 verse 6, he said, I desire mercy and not sacrifice. And the law was purposed for the preservation and the restoration of the image of God that is humanity. And so this law points to those who are less enfranchised. The law was intended to protect those who the world would ignore. The law was meant for the poor, for the homeless, for the needy, for the orphan, for the widow. I, I think sometimes we forget, and maybe we don't acknowledge, or maybe we just look past it, how cutting edge the Israelite way of life was. I think we forget about that. I think we forget about it. And it's part of the reason why our laws today, even our, um, um, I'd say, well, I won't go into all that, but, but our laws today, today find roots in the Mosaic law. You know, certain things that, 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 that philosophically hold our laws together, these cutting edge ideas began with the children of Israel. This was the revelation from God. And here we are now. Israel isn't living that like this. The poor are being ignored. So, so notice the law goes even further. The poor are being ignored. The widows are being ignored. The less enfranchised are being ignored. The ones who are least then, they're being oppressed. So it goes as far as child sacrifice and sexual exploitation to now, have you been feeding the hungry? Have you been helping the needy? What have you, what have you done, Israel? What are you doing, Israel? And God can't have that anymore because God was initiating a new way of life, a new revelation, a new thing in his children. It's unfortunate. It's unfortunate that we find ourselves here. And so God now speaks through Jeremiah to let him know it's about to get really bad for the children of Israel. And they're gonna fall into the same things that everybody else has fallen into because they are not living in accordance to the lifestyle that is reflective of the law that I have given them. They haven't obeyed my commandments. Of course, Jeremiah, who loves these people, who sees what's coming, who receives revelation that Babylon's coming, Nebuchadnezzar is coming. He's wiping this whole thing out. If you only you would turn, if only you would. And so Jeremiah speaks and they shoot the messenger. They, they shoot the messenger. 
the shoot the one who's saying, guys, we need to get right. Guys, we need to straighten up. Guys, we're not, we're not looking out for the oppressed. We're not looking out for the fatherless. We're not looking out for those who are less than. And even the prophets have done worse. The prophets aren't even speaking on their behalf. The prophets are simply profiting off the prophecy. And so they go after Jeremiah. And we see now in Jeremiah chapter 20. Jeremiah is doing what God has called him to do. But Jeremiah is feeling the pain and the brunt of it. Jeremiah sees violence against him. He sees everybody mocking him. Jeremiah is suffering with his people. And even though he spoke out of love, and even though he's trying to get Israel to see what they need to see, Jeremiah is facing the fact that no one's listening. Jeremiah is facing the fact that no one's taking heed to his words. And not only are they not taking heed to his words, Jeremiah has made enemies in all of this. Love makes you say things that people don't want to hear. Love can make you speak things that people don't want to hear. And, and get this, you often say things out of love and you get nothing out of it. Nothing. Like, what, what do I have to gain from telling you this? I get nothing. I get nothing from telling you this. But I need to tell you this because I see a nation collapsing. I see a nation falling apart. I see a people falling apart. I don't know if everybody sees it, but there's a, you, you can see that whatever has been beautiful, especially in our country, in America, it's beautiful, but it's a veneer. It, it's, it's, it's a very thin veneer of happiness or joy or whatever it is. It's just a veneer. It's very thin. It doesn't take much and it's starting to crack. Jeremiah sees it and Jeremiah is speaking into it, pointing out to them. Look what Jeremiah says to them. Oh man, where is it? By the way, again, Jeremiah calls them out in, in Jeremiah 22 verse 3. Thus says the Lord, execute judgment and righteousness. Deliver and deliver the plundered out of the hand of the oppressor. Do no wrong and do no violence to the stranger, the fatherless or the widow, nor shed innocent blood in his place. That's all I'm asking. It's just justice. That, it's just justice. That's all it is. And then in the end, look what he says to them. If I can find it. If I don't, it's all right. There it is. In Jeremiah 22, verse 21. And here it is, family. Jeremiah 22, verse 21, he says, I spoke to you in your prosperity. 
but you said, I will not hear. This has been your manner from your youth that you did not obey my voice. Has comfort kept you from hearing God? Has comfort kept you from seeing what's, what's there? Has comfort kept you from seeing what's coming? Has comfort kept you from seeing judgment? And we talk about judgment, everybody kind of thinks of, oh, well, you know, it's all hell and all that. Well, no. Has, has comfort kept you from seeing the injustice? Has comfort kept you from seeing that the, the trajectory of humanity is one of collapse? And even though God is speaking through some, many are listening. Why? Because they're comfortable. We're speaking to people in their prosperity. And it's saying, you know what? I know, you know, I know the world ain't perfect, but I'm living in a nice house. The world ain't perfect, but, you know, I got a nice job. It's all good for me. You know, yeah, I know. There's all this injustice and all this evil in the world. But, you know, I mean, who am I? I mean, what can I do? He's talking about their apathy. And notice this, that when Jeremiah calls out their apathy, they now are angered, not towards the injustice, but the word of the prophet. Did you hear that? They're not mad at the person who's saying there's more to life than this. They're not mad at the person that says, Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. They're not mad at the justice of God and the restoration of God. They're not mad at the message. They're not mad. They're mad at the person who gives that message. Sorry. They're angry at the person that gives that. They're not mad at all the other stuff they see. They're mad at the fact that somebody is calling it out. Because if Jeremiah is right, then something about me has to change. If, if Jeremiah is right, then something about me has to change. If, if Jeremiah is right, then we got to do better. Not out of a performance to go to heaven and all this. No, we got to do better because of the banner that we carry. We hear about human trafficking. We hear about all this injustice. We hear about all this stuff. And this is just a conviction as it's hitting me. But have we let our comfort let those things go by? We hear all of that. But did we do anything with what we heard? And ready for this? Here's how you know when sin has festered in a way that's completely clouded your perception. When it gets called out, you're mad at the prophet, not the problem. You're mad at the prophet that calls it out, but not at the problem that he's calling out. How, Sway? 
one of the barometers to culture, to, to a cultural and societal collapse. And when I say collapse, I'm talking about when you begin to see things fall apart. And then, of course, in the death of one thing comes a resurgence of a new thing. Society has gone up and down, up and down. Culture has gone up and down, up and down, up and down. And there are moments of collapse in culture. And then there are these new rises in culture with new ideas and new mindsets. And, and, and we call these renaissance, you know, the renaissance movements and all that. Because whatever was there before could not hold up. Then it collapses. Then they say, okay, it's got to be this. And then they build up a whole new thing. And then it collapses. And they build up a whole new thing. Just look at the history of, just look at anthropological history. If you see it, you will see that there's this continual cycle of culture, society, humanity, trying to build up to something. But the thing that they're building up is not built on any strong foundation. Cultural consensus, that's right, is rarely ever truth. And when truth is spoken, often culture comes against it. The church is countercultural. Israel was countercultural in the same way the church is countercultural. And instead of Israel repenting of their ways, because they're, they're chosen people of God, even as they mess up, as often as they mess up, God still got a plan for Israel. And yet, even though Israel messes up, God has a plan for them. God calls the prophet. Israel doesn't, Israel doesn't, you know, they don't repent. Instead, they, they revolt. They revolt against Jeremiah. And what do they look for? The prophet that'll tell them what they want to hear. And the prophet that tells them what they want to hear is the one that wants Jeremiah killed. Be wary of the ones that tell you what you want to hear. You need the person who's going to tell you what you need to hear. Even if what you need to hear is uncomfortable. You need more people who will tell you what you need to hear, not what you want to hear. Because the people who tell you what you want to hear, they're there for something else. The people who tell you what you need to hear, they're there because of you and your calling. They have no other agenda other than to see God's flourish through you. Too many of us are making friends with people who tell us what we want to hear. Tell us what makes us feel comfortable. We don't like to be challenged anymore. We just want to hear what we want to hear. And as long as more people can tell us what we want to hear, we'll do that. Except that person who will tell you what you want to hear, where will they be when what you wanted to hear was not enough to sustain you or to keep you? Where are they going to be when your life falls apart because they actually didn't point out to the things, to the 
blind spots, to the spots that you couldn't see, to the shortcomings that you had, never really addressed some of your flaws and allowed you to work through it. No, no, no. They just told you what you wanted to hear. And then eventually, they're not going to be around when you didn't get what you needed to hear. They get exposed in the end. Prophets will tell you what you want to hear get exposed in the end. You want to know why? I'm done. I'm ranting. You want to know why, family? The reason why is because nothing changes when you simply hear what you want to hear. Did you hear me? Nothing. Nothing changes when you hear what you want to hear. If all you hear is what you want to hear, nothing changes. The trajectory of your life stays about the same. You may go actually faster towards whatever direction it is. Nothing changes when you hear what you want to hear. What you need to hear, though, often is something that makes you uncomfortable, throws you off the rails, makes you go in a different direction. People who tell you what you want to hear, in the end, they disappear. Because they either fall into what you fell into or, I'm sorry, I'm just going to, I'm going to stop right there. I'm going to stop right there Uh, because I'm going to just open up a whole new can of worms. What do we do with this today? Like, what, 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 what does that tell me? What does that compel me to do today? At the end of the day, that's what we're talking about. That's what we're asking, right? Here's what it compels me to do. Jeremiah will say the unpopular things as long as they're necessary. Jeremiah will say what needs to be heard. Jeremiah is not concerned with, well, you know, I might get banned on TikTok. Jeremiah doesn't go, man, uh, I might get canceled on Instagram. Jeremiah doesn't concern himself with that. Cancel me if you will, but I'm going to say what I need to say. Shoot the messenger if you got to. (laughs) Because canceling me is not going to change the trajectory of your life. Cancel me if you like. It won't change the trajectory of your life. Hate what I have to say. You can just unfollow. You could cancel me. You could block me. Report me. But here's the thing. If you do that, it's not going to change anything about your life. And if you believe you're happy with your life the way it is right now, then that's fine. But know this. Nothing about your life changes in blocking me or canceling me or blocking any other influencer, or canceling any other influencer. Cancel culture is just a way of peddling whatever trajectory culture is going through. It's unpopular to be a Christian influencer. And that's why I posted, you might have seen it on my G. That's why I posted, pray for those Christian influencers out there. I'm seeing more and more Christian influencers who have to take a time off, a break from social media, a break from the hate, 
For all the people who say, no, stop spreading hate. The church stops spreading hate. When it's the Christian influencers that are being hated. I've had many influencers message me saying, hey, man, pray for me because I'm really going through it. You should see screenshots that I get from DMs that Christian influencers get. It's always funny because I see Christian influencers. They're always the ones getting blocked for community, you know, guideline violations and all that. But you should see the screenshots that I get from people who've DM'd Christian influencers and the things that they say to them. We need to pray for our Christian influencers. We need to pray for those who are sharing the message of Jesus Christ. We need to pray for them because what's happening now is, is that a lot of our influencers are being attacked in private. They're being blocked in public. And yet there's no one who's undergirding them, praying for them. Pray for all who spread the gospel. How beautiful are the feet of those who spread the gospel of Jesus Christ. And for those of you here, do not operate on the fear of being canceled. I'll tell you that right now. Because you could be just like, what's his name? You could be just, I said, like, what's his name? <laughs> um, it's because I forgot his name right now. Papa sure. You could be just like him. And just tell people what they want to hear. But never tell people what they need to hear. And fall into the same consequences as everyone who didn't get to hear what they needed to hear. Mike, this is so much, there's so much truth to this that I can't emphasize this enough. And one day we'll sit down and talk about the new paradigm in the new age the digital age, we need to see Christian influencers as missionaries. We need to see Christian influencers as missionaries going into the mission field. And they are under attack. They're getting quieter. They're sharing less. Notice that not only are they sharing less, some of them aren't even on TikTok anymore. Some of them aren't on social media anymore. And I'm telling you, it takes some tough skin. It takes some really tough skin to not take some of these things personal they will talk about your wife and your kids they will talk about you they will say and and not only are christian influencers being attacked by people outside of the church it hurts even more when they're being attacked by people in the church so go on a christian influencers page today and encourage them. You are a Christian influencer. I want to encourage you, say what needs to be said. Say it in love. Point out the things that are not aligned with Scripture. Why? Because you love the people that you're speaking to and preaching to. Every single one of you is a Christian influencer, and I want to say this. Even if cancel culture comes for you, here's one thing that stands forever, the word of God. Heaven and earth will pass away, but his word will by no means pass away. And at the end of the day, 
at the end of the day, the banner of Jesus Christ is way more important than my influence. The banner of Jesus Christ is so much more important than how many followers I got on all my platforms. It doesn't matter if I've been blocked at the end of the day, his word will not pass away. Heaven and earth will pass away, but his words will by no means pass away. So if you don't know me in the end, his word will stay. And as long as I get his word out there, that's all that matters. <laughs> that's all that matters. And as much as I encourage and as I motivate, because I believe that's what I'm called to do is to encourage you. I know I'm called to motivate. I'm called at the end of the day. This is a losing battle for the enemy. That when I say what needs to be said in the end, that's what will hold strong in eternity. So y'all, we already won. We've overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. So today, walk in that. Walk in that victory. Walk in that authority, knowing, man, some people are going to hate me along the way. But Jesus paid it all. We have the victory. We have the victory. To God be the glory. Love y'all, fam. Father, I thank you. Lord, as we... Uh, just spend some time really talking about how unpopular the message is, how unpopular it is to carry the banner of Jesus Christ, how unpopular it often is to have a worldview that aligns with your spirit or aligns with your heart. But often the world wants to go one way. But Father, I just pray that you would give us confidence not to only live out what your word says, but to also Lord, have the boldness to speak when speaking is necessary. Father, teach us, Lord God, not to shoot the messenger, but Lord, to take every word seasoned with salt and to take it with grace. Lord, teach us and guide us. Lord, continue to refine us, Lord, especially in an age when the world wants to come back with everything that aligns with your truth. And we say that in Jesus' name. Amen. <laughs>